Well, good morning, Cell House. I am so excited to be chatting with you this morning. Uh, this sermon's going to be a little bit different than what you're used to. Because, uh, you know, when Pastor Sarah or Pastor Ryan preach, um, you probably walk out and you're like, that was pretty good. Like, I liked that this week. Or that one didn't quite land with me. Uh, well, because I'm an intern, you literally get to give this sermon a grade. Like, <laughs> you can be like, that's an 85%. Or he gets high marks on delivery, but low marks on content. Um, so it's my first time preaching, your first time grading. We're in this together. And here we go. We've been on quite a journey this fall. Uh, we've been reflecting on ways to hear from God in our lives, in our relationships with others, and in the world. Pastor Sarah took us through the Kairos circle and the three great loves of Jesus with the up, in, and out. And along the way, Pastor Ryan talked with us about all the ways that we see God in creation with the blessing of our pets. And then last week, he gave us some tools to look at how we see God in creativity and reconnect with ourselves in a world of shame. And then on Wednesdays, Pastor Eric has been leading us through discernment practices to um, hear from God in the voice of our genuine. So then today is Reformation Sunday, where we remember that Luther taught how God shows up in the most unlikely places. So with all that in mind, I want to suggest to you that these questions of how we hear from and connect with God and others can be engaged in the simplest of practices. And the practice I want to suggest is eating chocolate. Okay? I love chocolate. I eat chocolate every day. Uh, when I was an undergrad, my mom would send me a mason jar full of Kit Kats every week, and I would eat a mason jar full of Kit Kats every week. <laughs> this very minute, the top shelf of my refrigerator is stocked with chocolate. I have chocolate with caramel, chocolate with fruit, chocolate with mint. You never know what kind of chocolate craving you're going to get, but I get a chocolate craving every night. So I'm prepared. But like I said, I think eating chocolate is a spiritual practice. It's a small, tangible thing we can do that invites us to pause and consider what God is saying to us. And it's interesting. Do you know what the scientific name of the chocolate fruit is? It's Theobrana cacao. Theobrana cacao. And this root Theo is actually the same Theo that we find in theology. Um, so it means God. The scientific name of chocolate is fruit of the gods. Uh, right? Because um, when the Europeans um, were first introduced to chocolate, they recognized that there was something holy about it. But it's not the name of chocolate that makes it spiritual, and it's not even the flavor. It's the story of chocolate that invites us to consider where God is showing up. And the way chocolate is made actually reflects so many themes that we find in the Bible, and that's what I want to talk about today. So you ready? All right, let's do this. Chris. Do you like chocolate? I do like chocolate. What kind of chocolate do you like? Um, I'm particular to Reese's. Oh, chocolate and peanut butter. Yes, definitely. So between chocolate and peanut butter and chocolate and fruit, which do you go for? Um, either. Okay, that's right. That's the right answer. This is a both, both and kind of sermon. Both. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, chocolate right. and chocolate. Cool. You know. Well, could we trade some chocolate for you reading that Bible verse? Most certainly. All right, let's do it. Okay. This is Exodus 15, verses 22 through 25. Then Moses ordered Israel to set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. That's why it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Have some chocolate. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so the water goes from bitter to sweet. And I think that's really fascinating. 
because it's also the first thing that happens to chocolate. Did you know there are actually only two ingredients necessary for cocoa to become chocolate? So you have cocoa, which is made from the crushed up seeds of the cacao tree, and then they add sugar to that. Um, so like when you see 85% dark chocolate, it's like 85% cocoa, and the other 15% is actually sugar. Like we all think it's milk, but the only two things you need are cocoa and sugar to make chocolate. And cocoa by itself is rich and oily and full of flavor, and it's like rich in antioxidants, but it's also super bitter. But cocoa with sugar, just this one little thing, transforms it from bitter to sweet. And so I think the sugar in chocolate can invite us to reflect on this idea that God transforms bitter things into sweet things. And I think sweet's an interesting word choice for the Bible to use. Like, as an example, I live in a brand new apartment building, and the tap water tastes like plastic. So when people come over, I'm like, oh, no, don't do that. Use the Brita. And with the Brita, it tastes fine. But the Bible doesn't say that God transforms the water from bitter to fine or like bitter to normal or even like bitter to refreshing. It goes bitter to sweet, which is something else. Like it's an above average transformation. And this is really interesting for me to think about because when I look around the world, it seems like there are so many bitter things. Like this pandemic that feels like it'll never end or conversations on systemic racism that don't really seem to be going anywhere, or conflicts in Afghanistan that ended in this needless death and no real closure. It just seems bitter, and for me to say that any of it feels sweet just feels really wrong. But as I was working on this sermon, I came across a story about the epidemic that I think captures this bitter to sweet transformation. Whenever there are large disease outbreaks, we always see shame. Like shame and disease have gone together throughout history. And even in COVID, right? Like there's shame over forgetting a mask. There's shame over not being vaccinated. There's shame over getting COVID or losing a loved one to COVID. Like shame and disease have just always gone together. And this was especially true for queer communities in the AIDS epidemic. In, in 1987, Princess Diana visited an AIDS clinic uh, for gay men in Middlesex, London. It was the UK's first AIDS clinic on British soil. Diana's marriage to Charles was falling apart, and the royal family was rapidly distancing themselves from the princess. She was told explicitly not to touch anyone or anything in the clinic, but the first thing Diana did was go around and shake every single person's hand, and it was photographed. Biographer Andrew Morton said that Diana did more to end the stigma of AIDS for queer communities than anyone else alive, and she did it with the sweet gesture of a handshake. So the reality was still bitter, right? Like these men still had AIDS, they all still died, they were still ostracized and outcast. But for a moment, the bitterness of their situation was transformed by the sweetness of a human touch. And this is the kind of transformation work that we see Jesus doing too, right? Like he worships with children, he eats meals with friends, he takes naps in boats and openly weeps, he touches the untouchables. So if we pull this all together, we have these stories in the Bible of God transforming bitterness to sweetness, and we have these stories in our world of people doing sweet things to help each other through isolation and shame. And I think it's important that we pause and notice these transformations from bitter to sweet, because clearly this transformation matters to God. So as we consider the sugar and chocolate, I invite us to consider how the transformation from bitter to sweet is something spiritual. And I wonder where you've seen this show up in your own story. Or perhaps where is God calling you to do something sweet, not to change the world, but to offer a moment of transformation? So that's our lesson from sugar. Let's talk about milk. <laughs> Pastor Tim, do you like chocolate? <laughs> yeah. What like, kind of chocolate do you like? <laughs> I have uh, dark chocolate. Okay. Every morning I have a bowl of cereal, usually Cheerios, uh -huh. and a 
a banana all cut up on top or strawberries and then a handful of dark chocolate. Okay, I like your style. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. So do I. <laughs> Could you, uh, you read a Bible and verse for me? Now, now we, I also keep a bag of dark chocolate in the freezer and that's my go-to snack during the day. Does that go immediately after breakfast or is it later? It can. Okay, all right, I like the parent. It'll go anytime. Cool. Well, I will trade you some chocolate. I don't think there's anything dark in here, but That's I can right. trade you some milk chocolate. It's for... Halloween. I crossed the right. To the, other you, side. the proletariat chocolate gets there brought up go. this time. Okay. A reading from Romans. But if you call yourself a follower and rely on the law and boast of your relation to God and know God's will and determine what is best because you are instructed in the law, and if you are sure that you are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then, that teach others, will you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You that forbid adultery, do you commit adultery? You that hate idols, do you rob temples? You that boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among all believers because of you. Have some chocolate. <laughs> it may take a while. I understand. Okay. Cool. Thank you. So that's kind of heavy stuff. Jason, I think the battery in the handheld died. Um, you who preach against stealing, do you not steal? Let's just pause that for a second and keep talking about chocolate. So who likes milk chocolate? Okay. Um, so the funny thing about milk chocolate is, like I said, there's not even milk in chocolate. Like, all you need for chocolate is cocoa and sugar. The um, creamy texture actually comes from heating the sugar. The milk is added to dilute the chocolate. So milk has this effect on your taste buds where it sort of numbs them and blocks them from tasting the food. And so like, this is why when you eat spicy food, they tell you to drink milk with it. Um, the milk dulls your senses so that the other flavors are kind of masked. In the case of chocolate, the milk hides the bitter flavor in the chocolate. But before milk gets added to chocolate, the chocolate actually goes through a lot. Um, do you know where these chocolate trees like indigenously grew back in the day? South America. And so the Spanish and the French and the Dutch and the British, like they all discover chocolate as they're conquering the Americas, and they take it back to Europe with them. But most of Europe is actually like the latitude of Seattle or higher north, so chocolate just doesn't grow. So do you know what they do, where they grow chocolate now? It's mostly in Africa. Uh, so Europeans go in and they, um, the Dominican Republic of the Congo is like the worst of it. Like they clear large swaths of forest and they plant these cocoa trees. But the process of harvesting cocoa is actually really intensive. Like these fruit are like the size of a football. And um, you have to climb up the tree and the stem is like two inches thick and it gets hacked with a machete and then you hack the fruit open and then the inside's kind of like a mango or like a durian, like it's mushy. And you have to dig through it to get these seeds out. And then the seeds get crushed and dried in the sun and then they go fermenting in a box and it's all like really labor intensive. And to this day, most of that work gets done by children who don't get paid to do it. Um, the word in the Bible for this is slavery. In researching this sermon, I found that the UN estimates that 8 million children are currently enslaved in the chocolate industry. So here I am, a good woke millennial, trying to become a pastor. Like, I rage against colonization, and I rage against racism. I posted the black square on Instagram, and I pray for justice. But I love chocolate. I love chocolate. I eat chocolate every day. Like, the top shelf in my refrigerator 
stocked with chocolate, chocolate with caramel, chocolate with fruit, chocolate with mint. And I love chocolate. And despite the legacy of colonization and environmental destruction and slavery, I love chocolate. And I think this is what Paul is getting at with these verses that Pastor Tim read, that you who preach against stealing, do you not steal? As much as I hate slavery, I eat chocolate. So I'd rather not taste those bitter flavors of slavery when I eat my chocolate. I'd rather the sugar make it sweet and the milk dull the bitter facts away because as much as I hate slavery, I don't think I could give up chocolate. And I want to do the right thing, but it's just not impossible to do it all the time. And that kind of sucks. So I think the milk and chocolate invites us to reflect on this. Like when Paul says, you who preach against X, do you not benefit from X? What bitter flavors in life do we sometimes dull ourselves to? Where are we unintentionally complicit in systems that harm other people? And now the invitation here is not to like performatively give up every good thing in life to avoid ever harming anyone. The invitation is to reflect on where these uncomfortable thoughts and unjust realities might be an invitation to hear from God. Because over and over the scriptures talk about God's people being tasked with caring for the orphan, caring for the widow, the children, the immigrants, those that are the most disadvantaged who had the system rigged against them. And we know that Jesus does these things. In addition to welcoming these people into his ministry, he also values challenging the system. He flips tables and temples, he calls out corruption and empire, and he rages against hypocrisy. So where might God be inviting us to hear and reflect on oppression in the world? Oppression that we might otherwise ignore. Sugar is this invitation to reflect on pain that gets transformed, and milk is an invitation to reflect on pain that gets hidden and ignored. So now let's talk about salt. Olivia, do you like chocolate? Yes. What kind of chocolate do you like? Um, I like chocolate with caramel. Chocolate with caramel, that's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Could um, you read a Bible verse for me in exchange for some chocolate? Yes. Okay, let's do it. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how, how, can salt, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and, and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand. And if it gives the light to all the in the house, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Awesome. Take some chocolate. Thank you. Do you recognize these verses? Yeah. I thought you might. Did you know that salt goes into chocolate? So, like, sometimes you get these really, like, fancy gourmet chocolates that are, like, crystallized sea salt from, like, the prehistoric salt mines of Austria or something. <laughs> and those chocolates are meant to be salty, but normally you don't taste the salt in chocolate, and there's a reason for this. Salt has the opposite effect on your tongue that milk does. Um, so when salt hits your tongue, it, like, opens up all these pathways where you taste the salt, but you also taste more of the food. So, like, this is why you put salt on a steak, because, like, while it does make it salty, it also allows you to taste more of the steak. So salt's added to chocolate for the same reason. The sugar makes it sweet, the milk dulls the bitter, but then the salt allows you to taste all of the flavors that are already there, but deeper and richer. So like the salt brings out both the sweet and the bitter, but in a new way. So when we end each worship service at Salt House with these words from Jesus, go be salt and light in the world, 
it's all about bringing out the flavors that are already there. So just like salt brings out sweetness, we can do the same by pointing out the good things in our world that God is transforming. Because we, as Jesus followers, know that God transforms pain, but we know it doesn't happen overnight. When Shakespeare says that what wounds did ever heal but by degrees, we know that healing and transformation happen through the small, sweet ways that we care for one another. So when we see these sweet moments of transformation, our call as salt is to announce them to the world. And we do this every Sunday at Salt House, right? With this is good. But we can do it every day by announcing where we see God's goodness. And salt also brings out the bitter. And we can do this too, because we also know that God hates oppression and suffering. And we see that God over and over again tasks humans with taking on systemic injustice. Jesus models this for us in our, his ministry. And so too, can we reflect on where God is calling us to stand up and speak out. We're called not to mask the bitterness like milk, but to bring attention to it, to flip tables and call out injustice in the system. And we can reflect on our own participation in it. So the salt and chocolate invites us to reflect on this. What unique flavor do we notice in the world? What can we do to call attention to what God is already doing among us? And what can we do to raise awareness of injustice? So that's my argument, that, salt is a, that chocolate is a spiritual practice. That all around us, God is inviting us to witness transformation and to tell people about it. And that all around us, God is also inviting us to take notice of injustice and tell people about it. We see this in scripture, we see this in our stories, and we can be reminded of it through simple practices like eating chocolate. So at the pumpkin party later, I'll be roaming around with my bowl of chocolate, and I invite you to come grab a piece. And if you notice what I did, I told you at the beginning you get to grade me, and now I'm offering you chocolate. So that's how this internship thing works. <laughs> um, and maybe chocolate isn't your thing. Like, maybe this whole time you've been like, I actually hate chocolate, or can we get a sermon on gummy bears next week? Um, or maybe you're just thinking, if he says chocolate one more time, I'm out. So if we step away from the metaphor for just a second, the invitation is this. Where is God showing up in unusual places? Where do we see pain being transformed? Or where do we see injustice that no one's talking about? And where might God be calling us to say something or do something about it? These questions are all around us, whether it's in chocolate or something else. But all we have to do is notice. Amen? Amen. Amen.